Oh, to have lived in the golden days of the kingdom of the heart. When a princess, discovered by a pea, established a kingdom of honor and goodness. But, alas, later generations turned to pride, selfishness, greed, and war. Oh, so much knowledge was lost. Many now believe that the legends of the old kingdom are nothing more than fairy tales. Welcome to the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. This is the podcast that seeks to catalog all of the terrible movies about princesses and princesses-to-be. I am Christy. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Bree. Hello! And today, we are going to be talking about 2002's The Princess and the Pea. Bree, Yes. Is, is this one that you had ever heard of before or ever seen? I had never... I think I'd heard of it, but through you. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Before you, I had not heard of it before. The, this one is one of those ones that I don't think many people have heard of or seen. Because it kind of... I, I don't believe that it had a, a theatrical release at all in... At least in North America. Mm-hmm. Um this one just kind of sprang up one day in my, as, as mentioned in the last episode, one of my random Amazon searches. <laughs> um, so I purchased it, uh, basically sight unseen, and watched it. And as you might expect, this was this is an instant add to the bad princess movie lineup, this one. Yeah, this one, like, I have way fewer pages of notes on this one, mm-hmm. though, because it's like, this was genuinely like... I this was a fun one. This was nice. This was a good a good bad movie. Yeah, this one coming especially coming from Golden Films Beauty and the Beast, where that one is just like yeah. bad animation, <laughs> bad story, just God bless. Altogether a bad experience. This one is interesting because this one is a passable movie. Yeah. Like I was I was actually genuinely impressed. It's definitely got its foibles. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a good watch. Yeah, I, I we'll we'll get into here into it here in a little bit. But to provide a bit of history regarding the Princess and the Pea, just as an introduction to what this movie is, where it came from. So this one is an American Hungarian film produced by Feature Films for Families, Swan Productions, and Pannonia Film Studio, who. Uh, I don't know if you have seen this one, but Pannonia Film Studio also worked on 1991's *The Princess and the Goblin*. I, I have heard of that one, but I have never seen it. No, that's no, that's one that I I saw as a kid. So that's one of the few princess movies that one of the few bad princess movies that I have a childhood nostalgia for. <laughs> Um, so as one might expect, uh, Princess and the Pea is loosely based off the Hans Christian Andersen story of the same name. According to Wikipedia, Richard Rich, who is best known for the Swan Princess series, was an uncredited director on The Princess and the Pea. 
Really? Yeah. I, again, it's alleged by Wikipedia. Who knows if that's true, but I kind of see the vibe. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. The, The film's confirmed director, Mark Swan, previously worked as a layout artist on a variety of animated films, including a Goofy movie, Don Blue's Thumbelina, and Space Jam. Oh, okay. <laughs> the the Don Bluth Thumbelina definitely makes sense. Yeah, when you look... Especially looking at the main character's design in this one, because I was like, I was looking at her, and I'm like, reminds me of a different... Reminds me of another character. Yeah. I looked up Don Bluth Thumbelina. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, even like the <laughs> put, curls. Put some bangs on her and that's that's the princess. Yeah, even like the curls in her hair, like her hair color yeah. in general. Yeah. I, it, it, makes you, it makes you think, for sure. <laughs> well, I, I looked through the, like, the credits for, like, a character design or de- designers. There wasn't any listed, but knowing that the director... Mm-hmm worked on the film it's like ah oh, yes the pieces are <laughs> yeah, it's all coming, falling into place it's all coming together <laughs> um i'll also mention too a company named blue moon productions was also involved somehow and they appear to be a toronto studio that doesn't seem to specialize in animation um oh. rather they're they're said to be a content creation production bo- boutique So I'm not quite sure what their involvement was. Their name is listed in the credits. And it's kind of, I mention it just because it's a Canada connection that, you know, anytime I see Canada represented somehow (laughs) in animation, I clap like a seal. There it is. Us. It's us. I live in Canada. It's like I'm there. I've never been to Toronto, but it's Canada. I assume it's a magical place filled with lots of animation Yes. That's it. Just, just animation. Yeah, that's, that's all that's over there. And snow, I just guess. Just like Vancouver. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, Toronto's animation and snow, and Vancouver is animation and fish. <laughs> and fish? Yeah. They got, well, you, I'll take it. You got the ocean. I'm not wrong. I, you know, that's true. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, thank you. I have seen fish here. Yeah, <laughs> just... Just a few. One or two. Um, And I'll mention, so feature films for families who they're kind of the primary, the primary ones responsible for this movie. They were a privately held entertainment company based in the United States. The founder of the company believed that R-rated movies had a negative impact on society. And so his company was a way of trying to change that. I see. And while a lot of their employees belong to the Church of Latter-day Saints, um, the company makes no claim of any religious affiliation. Um, okay. Yeah. And there, we'll kind of see. There's like a little sprinkle of it in this movie. I noticed it mm-hmm. while I was watching. I'm like, is are, is, are they? Is she, is she praying right now? Yeah. Like, to God? Yeah. And... Just exactly, and that's kind of why I wanted to mention it, just because while they try not to make any claims of religious affiliation, there is that moment in there, and the company was apparently very popular with conservative Christian families. Uh, Mm Ah. 
That makes sense. Yeah. But with that bit of backstory out of the way, let's get into the main plot of The Princess and the Pea. So just as an FYI to everyone, uh, this is going to be split into two parts because this is a feature-length film and we just ended up talking for forever about it. So the film begins with Sebastian, the court historian who also happens to be some kind of crow, explaining the backstory of the film. Uh, he says that there was once a princess who was chosen by a pea in a matter that has been since lost to history. Uh, she established a kingdom of goodness that was lost to time. The kingdom spiraled into war, pride, greed, all of these bad things, and it was only due to the recent efforts of the current king that goodness was brought back into the kingdom. Um, so Sebastian reveals that this era is likely to end because the greedy prince Laird, the firstborn son of the current king, is set to take the throne. I love this crow. I love that he's <laughs> never explained. Everyone's just like, oh, yes, that's Sebastian. He's our talking crow and court historian. Yeah. Don't, we don't ask questions here. That crow can talk. It's, yeah, it's very... And right. It's very confusing. He... Like you said, nobody addresses it. Nobody blinks an eye. I guess this is just a normal thing in this kingdom. And yet there's there's other birds that don't talk. Yeah. It's just Sebastian. None of the other animals talk. It's just him. Everyone knows Sebastian, our talking crow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's because he's a crow or maybe he's a raven or something. I know oh, that maybe. crows that like I think the Corvid family yeah. I think they're supposed to be very intelligent, so maybe that's the reasoning for it. Or maybe they just maybe. wanted a bird that talked. Either way, I, I, I love Sebastian. <laughs> he, he's a good bird. He's got a good voice, too. He does have a good voice. <laughs> a lot of the voice actors in this one aren't, like, super memorable, but Sebastian has a good voice for animation. Yeah. After that little introduction, we are taken to the first song of the film, which is Corazon, which introduces us to the kingdom and the key players of the film. There is young Prince Rolo, who is a visiting prince from a neighboring kingdom, who is riding to the castle, carrying with him a tapestry he found. We're also introduced to Laird and his wife Helsa, and we see Laird's brother Heath and Heath's wife Mariana. I like that the dog just just pulls the tapestry out of the ground at the beginning of the song. He's just like, here's here's a thing I found. And then this kid's like, cool, I guess I'll just take it with me. Yeah, well, and he, if you notice, like, through the introduction, he's menaced by a hawk who we later learn belongs to Laird. The hawk's name is Plague, by the way. So, you know, he's I, evil. I was wondering, because they said his name a few times, but I could never catch it. Yeah. He's the most obviously evilly designed bird well, and he, for some reason, he's going after Rolo in this tapestry, and it's so deliberate that you think it has plot relevance, but it doesn't. It's just the bird being a jerk. Yeah, like, I guess he was just <laughs> flying by, and he just saw this little boy with something and just thought, oh, I'll steal it. 
Like mine now. Yeah, why not? Like, he does other shit because he's been ordered to by Laird, but this just seems like he just wanted to. Yeah. Just like, I'm gonna go cause problems on purpose. Mm-hmm. The This whole song I kind of love because it's just like this, like, you get to see all the peasants and they're all just happy and everybody is just loving life and there we it's get... Just a, it's just a great time in this country. Yeah. Or kingdom, rather. We we get a special shout out in particular to John, the beekeeper. <sighs> that, his face is very frightening. He's kind of... To be fair. Yeah, he's a little terrifying. He gets real up close to camera and his mouth is very wide. Yeah. And it's not meant to be a scary shot, but I was like, whoa. This is holy shit. Back up, man. (laughs) But the song uh, finishes and... Prince Rollo and Heath has have made their way to the castle. Uh, Prince Rollo brings Sebastian the tapestry he found, which provides a partial detail regarding how to identify a true princess. It says, to reveal the princess of true nobility, place the P20, and then the tapestry is torn, so we don't know what the 20 is. We as an audience, I think if you're familiar with the story, know that it's referring to the 20 mattresses. But in this yeah, in oh. this universe, nobody knows about that part yet. So they're all very... Sebastian is very like, oh my god, it's the secret. I must def- find out what the heck to do with a pea. Yeah, this is like his life's work is trying to figure out what the deal is with this pea. Um, in the tapestry, though, there is also a prophecy, regar- a very specific prophecy, regarding the 18th king, uh, so the next in line, a.k.a. Laird. Um, and it says, if the key to the pea is lost... The kingdom will end during the reign of the 18th king. Why? We don't know. Yeah. It's never said. No. It's just... How did Shrug. They... <laughs> How did they figure out these prophecies? Especially, again, this is very, very specific. The yeah. 18th king. And it's not like, beyond Sebastian, there's really not a lot of magic or anything in this story. So it's not like there's like... People making prophecies, etc. It's just like here's here's a prophecy. It says the 18th king. Yeah, they really okay. they really could have just said, hey, if the key to the P is lost, you might end up with a douchebag for a ruler. <laughs> like keep it keep it simple. Yeah, or it, you'll fall to ruin or something like that. Yeah, eventually. I don't know, <laughs> but this leads into the wonderful villain song so this is Lair's song uh, layered song oh my god that's what it takes to rule there's just one way to get your subjects to respect you when they say they want a steak you give them gruel though I know my manner seems a trifle shrill still that's what it takes to rule my pet that's what it takes to rule <laughs> You've got to have a flair for all the latest fashion. This song is so great. I love it so it's much. It's so over the top. It's just him explaining his opinions on how to be a proper ruler, which is basically 
be a dick to everybody because you're king. Be a dick and take all their money. And also look hella fly while doing so. With some really, really long shoes. Yeah, Laird has these really big, floppy, pointy, gold, shiny shoes. They are so long and floppy that as a, in his character design, and I'm sure this was a real type of medieval shoe. It was. They, the shoes are so floppy that there's a string attached to the point to his knee to keep them at their pointy floppiest. I, I, I am fairly certain that was actually a thing. Yeah. But yeah, I'm fairly certain that was actually a thing. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such a weird specific part of his design that I kind of love, but I'm also kind of like, why did they do this to themselves? <laughs> oh god, yeah. The animators were probably like, really? Like, why are we Still. doing these hard to draw fucking shoes, you dicks? Why would you do this to us? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so during all of this, so Prince Rollo interjects in parts and he, he, Rolo at this age, he's just like this little youngin and he's precocious and he's basically starts telling off Laird that that's not how a proper king should be. Yeah, he's a very precocious little child. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do enjoy that he's like standing up to this, this he, clearly evil man yeah. and he's just like sassing him. I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah, this like eight-year-old child who, by the way, this eight-year-old prince who was like sent to this faraway kingdom by himself with only his dog with him apparently yeah Yeah. this (laughs) how did you make it here kid jesus that's kind of risky not not an entourage with no no not that we see anyways but this this little tiny eight-year-old is the only one to tell off layered that he's being a dick heath so heath layered's adult brother the second in line (laughs) He just kind of stands in the shadows while Rolo tells off his brother and he's just like, ooh, don't do that. He's like, oh, you should, oh, jeez. Oh. oh, we should probably stop this kid. Oh, he's, no. He sends Rolo's dog to go and stop things while he stays behind. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, maybe maybe you should stand up for the child. Yeah. Maybe like- you should stand up to your... In- incredibly vile brother. Your super duper shitty brother. Yeah. Um. Eventually, Laird gets so mad that he throws his golden shoes at Rolo, and they kind of like that's like the end of that dust up there. Um, yeah. Rolo bemoans that Laird is going to be take the throne because he's the eldest, but Sebastian jumps in and explains that apparently in the kingdom of Corazon. It's not that the eldest inherits the throne, it's that the first son to enter the coronation room on coronation day will be crowned king, but because Laird is the eldest, he always gets to enter first. Yeah. Which, you know what? You know what? That that feels like a thing that would be in an, like a medieval yeah. book of rules. It's just like... Like it, the eldest always enters first, and so it's the first to enter the, the throne room. Yeah. It's just, it's like a weird little thing that as we see, that's just in place because uh, on coronation day, Laird can't find his golden shoes. Uh, Rollo points out that, well, you threw them at me in the coronation room yesterday. And so 
Laird tasks Heath to go get the shoes for him from the coronation room. So apparently the brothers don't know about this this rule. I I don't know. I I ass- Sebastian was just keeping that in his back feathery pocket. Maybe it's. I mean that would explain it because Heath seems confused. I assumed that Heath did know because this is like like the rules of the kingdom. Yeah. But he when so Heath reluctantly enters the coronation room and the procession starts so that he gets crowned king and and yeah and he expresses confusion to his father like why what do you mean dad i'm gonna be king what i don't understand um so laird hears the the procession start up and he realizes that he has cocked things up (laughs) (laughs) He rushes to the throne room, but it's too late. Heath has been crowned king. And he has a great Oops. little freak out. Yeah, it's... it's. They animate that character face on to camera so much. And he makes some extremely good faces. Yeah, it's... They're... The animation in this one is pretty decent. And I think where the animation gets weird is that they... they so some of the expressions some of the characters make... <gasps> Yeah. Are just spooky. Well, I feel like a lot of the... Not to go on a tangent from from the the story, but I feel like a lot of the animation um, was either not direct... Rotoscoped or not directly rotoscoped, but very closely referenced. Because it's all a very... It's a lot of really natural movement in the body most of the time. Whereas the faces... Some of them just go a little hog wild. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I. That may would make a lot of sense. I think, because yeah, it's there's just this kind of uh, something. There's a disconnect between the body and the face in a lot of these characters. Hmm. Hmm. Um. But so Heath is now king. So Laird has this little freakout moment, and then for some reason, I guess as punishment, Heath decides to assign Laird rule over the quote-unquote pig kingdom. The pig kingdom. There's just a pig kingdom. Like there... that's just a thing that they have. It's like a mini kingdom inside their kingdom. Is the pig kingdom? I guess because it what? seems like Heath is still king of the land, but there's this little like subset that is the pig kingdom just you know the pig kingdom yeah. where the pigs are like maybe Laird is like the actual king of the pig kingdom? i don't know i don't understand but Laird, in a very dramatic scene swears revenge that like there's rain coming in and it's a storm and he's on this tower and he declares <laughs> he won't take off his golden shoes until he has regained the throne <laughs> All of you! I will have revenge. I vow these golden shoes will never leave my feet until I have regained that which is rightfully mine. That's then that's where like you get the camera like zooming in on his face and it's just kinda he's kinda terrified. It it's a lot. It's a lot of <laughs> It's a lot of swimming through expressions on that guy. And oh, I love that. And, That's a good visual for it. Swimming through expressions. Yeah. They just sort of flow right into the next. Yeah. 
Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Thank you. But so Laird and Helsa go off to the pig kingdom, and it's then revealed that Heath's wife is pregnant, and he's going to be a daddy. Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess key to that is Heath's wife, Heath's wife reveals that he, she's pregnant by knitting a baby blanket. Which with, I, their, with their special kingdom crest on it. Yeah. Yeah. So just remember that for later. <laughs> I guess. But not too hard because... You don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that part. Yeah. It'll be relevant in about five minutes and then never again. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> but so after nine months, we rejoin Laird in the pig kingdom it turns out that Helsa was also pregnant, and she gives birth to a baby girl. So upon hearing this news, Laird decides that it's over, and he, yeah. he takes off his shoes. He's like, that's how you know it's serious, that he's taken off his shoes that he swore uh, two minutes ago to never take off. <laughs> he's like, I give up. It's, yeah. it's a girl. Oh, no. Yeah. It's not even an heir. It's not a proper heir. It's not a son. I give up. Fuck. It's like... <laughs> Forget it. You know you could try again. Yeah. It's not one and done. I assume. (laughs) No. I I assume so? Does Corazon have a one-child policy? No, because they've got a brother. Oh, that's true. They're brothers. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Maybe it was enacted (laughs) in the last generation. Oh. Well. (laughs) But, uh, soon after, uh... It's revealed so a uh, uh, wandering announcement man. Uh, <laughs> I, I I assumed that it was like a royal de- declaration that the pr- the king sent to his brother. Yeah, he so this royal proclaimer comes in and he reveals that Heath's wife has sadly died in childbirth, giving birth to a baby girl. And so this sets in motion. So Laird concocts the scheme which is to switch his babies for Heath's. Um, So he sends a message to Heath pretending that his own daughter died, and he asks that Heath allow Helsa to come to the castle and help raise Heath's daughter to help ease her grief. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of the point where, like, the plot sort of starts actually picking up. Because this is, the the first 11 to 15 minutes or so of this movie have been dedicated to this backstory of Laird was almost king, but then Heath got it. And this is all, this is Laird's motivation for why he does all the shit that he does in the film. Yeah. And it's not really necessary, I think. It's not, yeah, it could have just been like, explained away in a scene or two and instead they took 15 minutes yeah like just have like a quick prologue kind of backstory thing where you you know sebastian's already started doing the narration explain like i I guess have it and have it so that he's explaining after the the story has been done he's like looking back on it and he's like let's talk about how this all started uh yeah laird was a dick we didn't want him king heath became king and then Laird sweared revenge. Yeah. I mean, I guess it does a, a job of being like, here's the characters, here's mm-hmm. what they're like. It introduces Rolo before he comes back yeah. later in the, the movie. So I guess, but like, it it does feel just sort of like, well, it was a little unnecessary. I, I mostly, I feel it's, an, it's unnecessary because as we're going to see, 
the tit- the titular character, the the <laughs> princess, uh huh, does dick all in this film. She does not do a lot. And they could have used those precious 11 to 15 minutes to give her something to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, Laird sends Helsa onto the castle. Laird's going to sneak into the castle, into these secret passageways that he's got built into the castle that only he knows about. Apparently. Yeah. Um, so just as House is arriving, Sebastian is taking record of Heath's daughter, noting her physical characteristics. Of particular note is a small heart-shaped birthmark that she has on her foot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Helsa comes in. Uh, it's the night of the switch. Helsa has this weird moment where she kind of bonds with Heath's baby. Yeah, she. Re- but it felt interest. It was interesting because it felt like here's a little bit of extra depth to this character. It's not going to mean anything later, but here's you know she's yeah. she's not the most vile person. That's the thing that this film tends to do a lot is that it introduces these elements, but then it doesn't really do anything with them. Yeah. So Helsa reveals that she also lost her mom when she was very young. And then when Laird arrives, she expresses reluctance to go through with it. Um, But Laird kind of pushes her to do it. Um, So she requests that Laird not harm the baby and give her to a good family. And yeah, and again, it's this weird little bit where she... So it seems like Helsa's not all that bad, but never gets followed up on. No, and she's she's pretty vile for the rest of the film, but she has this, like, one little moment where she's like, oh, like, this is a baby that we're kind of... Like, yeah. We're, we're dealing with a literal infant that has no mom. Yeah, and she even tells Laird, like, you know, this baby didn't have anything to do with you losing the throne. And he's like, well, does it matter? Are you gonna... Does it... De- yeah, are you gonna deny our daughter? Yeah, are you going to deny our daughter her rightful place? Blah, blah, blah. And then it's kind of great because I uh, their, their plan right now is that this whole thing is to raise the baby so that she's super spoiled and a huge dick like they are to torment Heath. <laughs> and it's kind of great. <laughs> And it's like, oh, okay, that's your plan? So, All right. Really? Oh, okay, like, you just want to okay. be a, a dick bag to your, just passively, <laughs> just like, I don't know, it's just, I love it, it's just so petty. It's so petty, and they're, well, uh, they are both, like, we'll make her, like, power hungry and spoiled, just like us. It's like, well, they're, I mean, they're cognizant. They know I kinda, who they are. I kind of love them as a couple because they're they're just, like, happy to be dicks. Like, they know they're dicks. They yeah. love that each other is a dick. And it's just like this, like, you know what? It just turns out there's, some, there's someone for everyone out there. <laughs> it's kind of heartwarming. Yeah, even even if you're a terrible dickbag, yeah, there's someone out there who's also a terrible dickbag and perfect for you. Yeah, just you just gotta start <laughs> just start looking. You'll find them eventually. Yeah. You'll have a terrible dickbag child and just a, a good old dickbag family. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, but so the good family 
that Laird uh, gives the Heath's baby to is a pair of lazy pig farmers who make Heath's daughter, who is named Daria, do all of the work on their farm. And this leads into Daria's I Want song, which is the Wide Open World. Sometimes I want to run away, but this is where I'm born to be. So why do I keep wondering if there's something more for me? Down the meadow, past the ravine, does the grass grow? It's, it's very... Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, it's this, uh, it's just, again, the I Want song, which is basically to explain, it's just the characters, like, what do they, what are they looking for? And in Daria's case, it's just that she feels like there's more to life. She wants adventure in the great wide, well, not necessarily adventure, I guess. She just wants to get out in the big wide somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and she... Just talking about just everybody else kind of doing things. I wish I could do them too. And also a boyfriend might be kind of fun. <laughs> that would be cool, I guess. She just kind of sneaks that last little bit in there. It's Yeah. yeah. Just like, it might, be some, might be nice to have somebody. Maybe. Yeah. But mostly it is. It's just like, I, I want to go see the world like a bird and fly away, but I'm just a poor pig farmer yeah. and this is where I'll be forever. Yeah, this is just my lot in life, just being a poor pig farmer and with my little, my three little piggies. My three little pig mascot characters. Yeah, so, so Daria, I guess the song kind of helps introduce Daria's little animal companions, which we later learn are named Fearless, Princess, and Hungry. I I wasn't sure what to think of the pigs. They kind of grew on me. They're, you know, they're all right. They were, they were cute little designs. I liked them. I think they... The nice thing is that they don't take a lot of focus. Yeah. I, I think that's the danger with some of like the animal sidekick characters. Is sometimes it's just like the camera always has to be like, Oh, and what's the, you know, what's the animal companion doing? And they have to like do something silly or pull a face. And while you do kind of get that in this, it's not, it's not ex- an extreme amount. So it's, ex- it's acceptable. No, and, and they do, they provide like... Some some definite character beats for Daria at certain points, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, and they, they do have a role in the plot, too. It's not yeah. huge, but it's there. It's mm-hmm. there. They're, they're animal plot conveniences, but with a purpose. Yeah. But, so Daria's song finishes, and it leads us into our reveal of Hildegard, who is Heath's fake daughter. So Laird and Elsa oh. is real kid. Oh boy. And Hildegard is incredibly spoiled, super super duper jerk. Um <laughs> she's so she's just so mean. Her in- she's just a mean person. Her introduction is Heath is trying to give her a ring that her mother, so Heath's wife wanted her to have when she turned 18, and she throws it to the ground saying that it because it's silver and opals and I only wear gold and diamonds. Silver and opals. Yuck! I only wear diamonds and gold. The occasional ruby or emerald now and then. Hildegard, this was your mother's ring. She wanted you to have it when you turned 18. Don't talk to me about my mother. 
And I don't care about my mother. Stop stop talking about my mother. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, apparently he frequently brings up uh, his his deceased wife to Hildegard, and it seems like it's a big sore point for her. Yeah. And it should also be pointed out, so Heath is a redhead. His wife was blonde. Hildegard has black, black hair. Oh, yeah. And she also looks exactly like Helsa, basically. Yeah. But I mean, like, with the black hair, clearly there was something in their family that gave Laird the black hair. So you yeah. never know with the recess- recessive gene? I don't know. Well, Genetics. Red- <laughs> yeah. Like, red hair Red hair is supposed to be the recessive one, as far as I know. But it's also it's one of those things. It's, it's an animated yeah, movie. Yeah, so, but she does look exactly like Helsa. Yeah. It's it's kind of amazing. Hildegard is an interesting character to me because unfortunately they just kind of went with the base level, oh, she's just a big jerk. I I feel I feel like you could have done something more interesting with her where yeah, I I think of uh Charlotte from Disney's The Princess and the Frog where she's spoiled but she's also like got a good heart to her. Yeah. Like there there could have been a little like if Hildegard was given one moment of depth, there is none given to to Hildegard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if Helsa you mean. Oh yeah. yeah, if Helsa is given one moment of depth. There we go. Yeah. I I think I almost wonder if they were trying to with the whole like Heath bringing up his his wife to Hildegard all the time. Because I could see how that would be a sore point for her if she feels like she can't live up to the the image of Heath's, her mother in Heath's eyes, who she thinks is her mother. Yeah, but I, I mean, they could have established that better by having her be like, you're always talking about her or something like that. But she's, yeah. she's really just like, don't talk to me about her. I don't care. Yeah, it's Oof. never framed it's never framed as something that she could have a legitimate gripe about. It's always framed as her being a, a huge jerk for not wanting to hear about her her quote-unquote mother. Yeah. Uh but it's revealed that Hildegard as part of her being spoiled, she sleeps on 20 feather beds. So, so beds. yeah. Um and so that's just kind of a brief scene, I guess, just to establish that Hildegard is spoiled, Heath is having trouble with her, and we've got the 20 feather beds figured out, which it's it's mentioned that they're brought by Sebastian, which will come into play in a few minutes. This this movie kind of does this thing that, that Golden Films Beauty and the Beast did, where it kind of cuts back and forth between characters, yeah. and it's a little weird. Yeah, they, they it, like to sort of jump between times and what's happening and who's doing what when. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like, like the necessary. It just kind of ends up being a little confusing. You're just constantly going back and forth. It's a little choppy. Mm-hmm. But so after we see uh, Hildegard going to bed, we contrast that with Daria, uh, who we see is also going to bed, but she is sleeping on these random castaway feathers in a chicken coop. Uh, And before she lays down to sleep, she offers a prayer. 
And yep. then she, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, they just kind of sneak it in a little bit. They don't expressly mention God in her prayer, but she is praying. She does use the words pray. Yeah. And she's like, she's, it's like she's saying her like, thank you for, like, I'm thankful for this, etc., etc. Yeah, exactly. I, I, it struck me as a really bizarre thing to have in the film. Yeah, it just kind of comes up as, it, it, like, there isn't any other real mention of religion in the film. Mm-hmm. So, so it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it's it's odd. Yeah. But, uh... Daria goes to bed, and we see th- that the only bit of comfort she has is her baby blanket that has the royal crest on it. Oh, oh you remember how you needed to remember that blanket five minutes yeah. from now, and then it was never relevant again? Yeah. And oh, now it'll and... never be relevant again. <laughs> yeah. Again, this is another thing that they set up that you think, oh, well, this will be used to establish proof of her identity or call her, you know, call the identity of Hildegard into question. Why does this random peasant girl have the royal baby blanket? And and it's something that I caught, actually, when they were first, because, like, when when they're first doing the baby switch, uh, Daria is wrapped in that blanket. And then when... Uh, Laird puts down his daughter in like just a plain brown blanket. I'm like, is that king not gonna notice that that blanket, handmade by his deceased wife, is gone? Yeah, I guess not. and and like literally, Sebastian that day had just taken stock of a birthmark on the baby's foot, which, yeah, as as we're gonna see, is it gonna come into play? Not for another like sixty to seventy minutes. Yeah, of time, <laughs> which is which baffled me, but we'll yeah. get to that. Yeah. Um, but so that night, Sebastian sneaks into Hildegard's room while she's asleep, and he pulls out a pee from under a mattress. Uh, he gets into a scu- brief scuffle with Layers Hawk Plague, but he manages to get away. And basically, the point of this scene is just to help indicate that Sebastian has somehow figured out that you're supposed to put the pee under the mattresses I guess. and have some have someone lay on the mattresses, but he doesn't know how what how does that tell tell you who is a real princess? But uh, the next day he he tells Heath about this revelation about the mattress thing, and it's never explained. Where the idea to put the pee under mattresses comes from. Yeah. He's just like, I've solved that part. It's like, how? Yeah. How did you put like, that together, Mr. Mister Bird, sir? Yeah. Like, there's no, there's no, oh, I found a piece of the tapestry and it says mattresses. It's, he literally, he's just like, oh, I figured it out. It's, their mattresses are involved. Just, oh, okay. All right. Something on screen I'll, happens. Figuring yeah. things out. Doing science. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'll note too the prophecy changed slightly since when it was first uh, mentioned oh, in really? the introduction. Yeah, <laughs> it was very it was very slight, but um, before it was to reveal the princess of true nobility, and here it changes to to find the heart of true no- true nobility. Oh, yeah, just a weird like slight change huh. that I don't know they just I guess was missed in script or something. I, I guess. <laughs> Maybe there was a rewrite somewhere along the way and one of the lines didn't get changed. 
yeah. I believe it would happen. <laughs> or they or they changed it, but they couldn't get a pickup for the for the old one. So oh yeah, yeah. They're maybe. just like, well, shrug. <laughs> yeah. But so Sebastian tells this to Heath, and Heath ignores him and just asks, <laughs> "What am I to do with Hildegard?" As he cries a single tear because he's like, "Man, my daughter sucks." <laughs> Oh, my daughter's such a dick. Why? What am I supposed to do with my daughter? She's the worst. This scene makes me question how involved was Heath in, in Hildegard's upbringing? Yeah, did he just let Helsa raise her? Yeah, like, what did you think was going to happen, Heath? It's been I, 18 years, Heath, or whatever. Yeah. Probably it, have done something. Yeah, like... It kind of feels like, like when I was watching the rewatching the film this time, it kind of struck me that Heath is a, a big doormat. He really he, is. He he doesn't want to intervene on Rolo's behalf when his brother starts yelling at this the the then like eight year old child, whoever old ruler was in the beginning. Yeah. He when everybody is everybody is goading Heath to enter the coronation room first so that he could become crowned king. He's like super reluctant to do it, and he has to be like goaded into it. But uh, yeah, but, and then he he apparently just let Helsa raise Hildegard and didn't. I guess. Yeah, like takes he's he's sort of unlikable. Like he's a nice guy, but just. Very, he's got no spine. No, lets people walk all over him, and as we see, it's like giving him a lot of stress. But what if you? Yeah, I wish that we saw him try and like do more with Hildegard. Yeah, like anything really. Mm-hmm. But this brief little scene leads into Sebastian's song, which is the secret of the pea. If I set you down upon a wooden tabletop and I rubbed you like the belly of a frog, would you play me a tune? Jump around like a loon, or just lay there like a lump upon a log? Is there something in the makeup of your chemistry? Some amazing little message at the core? I would risk beacon wing to uncover the thing if I only knew what I was looking for. My I I kind of loved this song. It's so <laughs> weird. Like the whole concept of being like, I'm running science tests on a pea. And it's so strange, but I I like Sebastian, so this was kind of a cute little song. Yeah, he's it's just him like doing all these experiments on a pea to try and figure out like how are you supposed to tell me who's a true princess? I don't understand. <laughs> Speak to me, pea. Yeah, I I think overall the songs in this one are pretty good. Like yeah, a lot of them are are solid. Yeah. And they they come they come frequently enough through the movie too that I, you they're, they're well paced I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe not like the scenes in between the songs, but the songs <laughs> come at like okay times, like just when I'm in the mood for them. It's like yeah, there we go. Now it's time for the silly song, and then we'll have a little like we'll have a, a nice few scenes, yeah. and then there'll be another song. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, they good. they kind of hit all the points. They've got the introductory song, they've got the the villain song, they've got the the princess I want song, and then they kind of got here's the silly lighthearted song, and as we'll see later, <laughs> yeah, the 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 fun sidekicks song. Yeah, and we'll see later that there's going to be like the the ballad song and yeah, the romantic ballad. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so it's like going, it's kind of going through a checklist, and I guess you could criticize them for fulfilling that checklist, but at the same time, if it's done all right, why, you know, why? I mean, this whole movie definitely feels like they were, they had the checklist and they were, Mm -hmm. they were just going down the list, and you know, it's, it's incredibly basic and is what it is, but. You know, they do a fine fine enough yeah. job of it for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, like, it, it, being cliché doesn't mean that it makes for a bad movie. It just means that it's just, you know, it's not going to be groundbreaking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so we cut back to Heath, who gets in a sparring match with a mysterious stranger, who is re- <laughs> who's revealed to be the now grown-up Prince Rolo. Yeah, he just shows up. Yeah. Start sassing him. Yeah, he just I guess they just like let him wander in. Um no introduction. Fair. Yeah. I mean, I guess like if he's been a friend of the the kingdom for 10 years or whatever, 18 years. Mm-hmm. It's a very mysterious timeline because he was 8 when the princess was born and then it's been eight, so he's like 24 i don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. As, presumably. They don't mm. they don't specify his age when he first shows up but he seems like he's he's young but not like teen you know not like 13 or anything just in that weird middle zone yeah and it's it's definitely it has been they do specifically say that hildegard is 18 so therefore daria is 18 it's been 18 years um but the few things that we learn from rollo's uh scene with heath is that apparently Hildegard's antics are taking up so much of Heath's time that the kingdom is suffering for it. The peasants aren't happy. <laughs> his kingdom is falling to shambles. Yeah, although... Because of his his greedy, terrible daughter. And yet we never... We never see any of that happening. I mean, it could just be that he was, like, talking to peasants on the way in, and they're like, man, the kingdom's just, they didn't send us any of our stuff from the this place, and Heath hasn't been looking over the trade regulations, or, I don't know. Yeah. You never know. It could have just been something real boring. Yeah, it was <laughs> like just, he's like, just been distracted by his terrible daughter. Yeah, it was just one super bitter peasant that just doesn't yeah. like Heath. I preferred Laird. <laughs> probably john the beekeeper he seems like oh he does yeah it was him Mm -hmm. he 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 just seems shady but uh we also learned that rollo is apparently on a quest to try and find a wife he's out looking for love yeah he actually uh so he he sees a portrait of hildegard and he's kind of interested um, and he, <laughs> this dude is like a pretty face. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He, well, he goes, wow, I'd, wow. I'd like to see more of her, which is yeah. like, <laughs> Ooh, like you're talking to her dad, dude. Yeah. Come on, man. But of course Heath doesn't say anything. Cause again, he's a doormat. Yeah. Like you don't. Instead he, instead he, instead he, uh, he starts commenting on Rolo, uh, he's like, oh, what happened to the idealistic little boy who was like, oh, you should marry for love and blah, blah, blah. 
<laughs> and Rolo, to his credit, is like, well, you know, I grew up and like there's politics, man. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you <laughs> now know, I'm a prince. I would have liked, I, I'd like to marry for love, but my advisors are telling me that I should, as a as a prince, I should marry for political reasons, and and it's like, you know what, that's fair. At the time, that's what you did. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. But, uh, so again, we're cutting back and forth between characters here. There's a brief scene with Daria in the Pig Kingdom village, and she's just kind of dicking around. And I think this scene, aside from, like, just, like, the weird structure of this film, it's just kind of there so that we could just further establish that Daria is a friend to all living things, She's just kind of sitting around playing with her pigs in the village fountain, probably contaminating these people's water source. Yeah, you know. They well, I mean, they didn't understand contamination back then anyway, that's, so it's fine. You know what? That's a good point. These people don't know about this you don't want a pig splashing in your water. That's, you know, it's just water. There's no dirt in it. You can't see nothing. Yeah. Those were clean pigs. It's fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah. God. Yeah. But, oh, no. <laughs> but back at the castle, Hildegard sees Rollo and she decides that she wants to immediately marry him. Just, just, hello, you're yeah. mine now. Thank she, you. Yeah, Go she, get ready for marriage. She literally, she tells him, I, I've decided to have you. What do you say, Heath? Where shall I look for my wife? You there. I've decided to have you. To have me? Hildegard, that's not how it works. Hildegard! You want a wife. It's true. And I want you. Sebastian, arrange the details of the marriage. I will expect a wedding veil 20, no, 30 feet long, a golden tiara with 12 diamonds arranged in a... Fly, Rollo! Fly like the wind if you wish to escape the storm. I I have to wash my sword. I mean, I'm allergic to diamonds. I mean, I'm, I'm late. And Rollo gets freaked out by this, and he runs away. So Hildegard calls for a carriage immediately so that she could pursue him. It's, it's just, it's Prince from Cinderella 3 throwing him out the throwing himself out the window. Yeah. As well. He's just like, I, I gotta go. And then he just yeets himself out the room. It's, like, it's great. So Hildegard follows, and then Heath even gets on his horse and tries to follow Hildegard. So I guess this is what he's been doing with his day. Is he literally chasing Hildegard around when she just goes start going a little a little stupid? That's why he can't get anything done. No, I have to always have my horse at the ready because my shitty daughter is going to start chasing <laughs> after something. <laughs> I have to, I have to be that like ready at all times <laughs> to to corral my terrible daughter. <laughs> it's like if he wasn't doing that, imagine how bad of a shape the kingdom would actually be. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> but so Hildegard follows Rollo into the village square. Again, this is apparently the pig kingdom, which is pretty damn close to uh, his kingdom or it's in India's yeah, kingdom. I guess it's like a, a short horse ride away. Is this like it did? Did Heath like is the pig kingdom just the name of the village? Did Heath make layered mayor? Is that what this yeah. is? I I guess maybe he made him the mayor of Pigtown, but they call it the Pig Kingdom because <laughs> to make it him, makes them feel better. Yeah, it makes Laird feel better. Like you could yeah. call yourself the Pig King, Laird. Just, just, it's for your own good, 
It's like it's like you're running a kingdom of pigs. Wouldn't you like that? You can practice on the pigs. And then and then if you do a good job with the pigs, then maybe we'll think about making you king of humans. How about that? I mean, we can always step you up later on to to bigger and more intelligent farm animals beforehand. Oh yeah. But <laughs> I like that. You got to you got to <laughs> ease somebody into those high-level roles. You got to you got to work your way up. Yeah. But so he didn't put him in chicken kingdom. So really he's already starting him a little farther up. But so Hildegard follows Rollo into the village and she briefly crosses paths with Laird. She insults Laird and it's kind of adorable because he is so proud to see what a shitty person his daughter has become. Yeah, she's like, get out of my way, you nasty peasant, and, like, goes by, and he, yeah. like, is moved almost to tears by how terrible his daughter has become. You're the royal princess. Out of my way, you sniveling popinjay! <gasps> Laird, oh, what a trip! All that bouncing! Ghastly! Chelsea, she's wonderful! She wants to marry Prince Rollo. Marvelous. She just needs a few lessons in deceit and hypocrisy. It takes honey to catch some flies. Yeah. And he looks so proud, like genuine pride on his face. It's He's so delighted. Oh, it's man. very funny. I love it. <laughs> and he and and Helsa shows up and he like he's like he celebrates with her what a shitty person his daughter is. It's, yeah, he's like she's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Which I mean, that's that's there you go. They have you find a shitty person, you find the shitty person who loves you, you make your shitty kids. They they have a weirdly weirdly healthy relationship for being really shitty people. Yeah. Like there's yeah there's never a moment where Laird and Helsa bicker between themselves or like no, he they're, they're they're very supportive of each other's yeah. terribleness. They have like this weird they have like a mutual respect for each other and it's just for the world around them that they hate. Yeah. Life goals. <laughs> <laughs> there there's a brief moment here where Daria Because she's just in, again, she's just in the village square for no reason. She's chilling. Yeah, she decides to water Hildegard's horses. And he'll... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Hildegard just yells at her and then she leaves. Yeah, she's like, I'm the princess. I decide when my horses drink water. They serve me. It's like, it's just, it's a horse. It's just a chick giving your horse some water to yeah. chill out well and it's just it's again like there daria has these moments where she just kind of like briefly sort of starts nearing the plot but then she swerves and excuses herself she's like i i there's some plot happening over here yeah. but i think i need to go and hang out with my pigs some more yeah Oh, it looks like, am I going to start getting involved in the happenings? Oh, actually, no, this horse just looks thirsty. Yeah, I think I should just give the horse some water and then I'll go. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. Sorry to interrupt your plot. Bye. Bye. 
I'm out. <laughs> but uh, sigh. When will something happen to me? This poor peasant girl. Yeah. <laughs> like life. <laughs> life is hard when you just kind of like sleepwalk through every day. I guess. But so Laird figures out Rollo's hiding spot. This is after Hildegard leaves. There's this brief moment where he tries to convince Rollo that Hildegard is actually very sweet and shy and that she's just bitchy because she has to live up to the memory of Heath's wife. Yeah, that sort of never comes back again. Like, I assumed that was going to be a thing that comes later. Yeah. I but g- it was, it's never really touched on from what I can remember. Yeah, no, it's, again, it, there are these plot threads that they start to establish that never really go anywhere. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I'll I'll matchmake by making him feel like, oh, she's only mean because she's trying so hard to live up to things and has to like work so hard for it and blah blah blah, and then it cuts away and that never is relevant again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the only other real takeaway from the scene with uh, Laird meeting up with uh, Helsa and Hildegard in the square is that Laird tells Helsa to reveal to Hildegard later that evening who Hildegard really is. So, yeah. I don't, I think I thought at the beginning, and this was way back at the at the beginning of the film, I, I expected that she'd been let in at some point. Yeah, but I guess she had literally just been living her entire 18 years of life thinking that she was Heath's daughter. Yeah, and that Helsa was just her aunt. Yeah. Yeah. There, There's like a brief bit of dialogue early on that Helsa tells her not to bite her nails. And Hildegard makes a comment that, you know, sometimes you sound like my mother. Yeah. But yeah, she she doesn't, she didn't know and... When she does know, when she does find out, she's more offended at the thought of having been born in the pig kingdom than the 18 years of fucking deceit. Yeah, she's just like, what do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean I was born in the pig kingdom? Yeah, she's so pissed off she throws throws something through a window. I think it was a shoe. I think she throws a shoe through the window. Oh, like like daughter, like father, like father, like daughter. Yeah. (laughs) Throwing shoes. Yeah. Oh, it's genetic. <laughs> but we cut back to Rolo, who is just wandering the woods, I guess. I guess. Rolo spies a bear coming up to Daria, who he sees in the distance. He races off to help her, uh, goes through some shenanigans, only to find out that Daria is friendly with the bear that she has named Balthazar. Yeah, it's just, you know, she's a friend to animals. Yeah. So why wouldn't she also be a friend to the random bear? Mm-hmm. The bear and all of, like, the woodland critters. So Daria and Rolo bond, and she decides to lead Rolo to her secret hiding place, which is this old castle deep in the forest. Uh, and I gotta, I gotta say, the design of this place is actually really nice. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, re- it's like, it's ridiculous that there'd be a big abandoned yeah. forgotten castle that no one has ever found before in this kingdom. But like, the ruins of the castle, uh, they were nice. Yeah, like, it was a really cool sort of set. Yeah, like overall, like the the designs in in this film, like both the backgrounds and the character designs, with with a few obvious exceptions, like they're yeah. pretty solid. 
Yeah, definitely. Like a lot of the most of the main characters have pretty solid designs. Yeah. Um, they're not always drawn super solidly, but they have solid designs. Some of the incidental characters are a little bit terrifying yeah. to behold. I but <laughs> I, I will point out this film the with the character designs. This film is so bad for all of the bad guys are ugly or fat or ugly <sighs> and fat. And then yeah. all of the good guys are all these, like, beautiful, like, slim-looking people. Yeah. Well, there's, like, a whole running gag with Helsa being, like, she loves food and she loves to eat. And I'm, like, it's, like, because she's fat. Get it? Yeah. Get it? That's the joke. Ha ha. She's fat. So she loves to eat. Yeah. All right. Liter- okay. Literally, Helsa is basically eating in every single scene she's in. Okay, movie. <laughs> All right. I, I know I said you get a pass for doing, like, cliche things, but okay. Yeah. There's some you can stop. Yeah. There's some you don't need to do. It's almost... <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like it's just the default that, you know, oh, we need some business for Helsa to do in a scene. Oh, well, she'll just eat some grapes. Eat something. Yeah. She's got a leg of ham. Yeah. Just, just She's going ham on that ham. <laughs> just let her go. <laughs> Um, but so Daria leads Rolo inside the castle, and there's this stained glass window, which we see that this, so this is the old castle of the princess in Sebastian's story. So she's, she's depicted in this giant stained glass window. Mm -hmm. And this leads right into Daria's song, My Kingdom of the Heart. In my kingdom here, with no can wish the world the way it should be suddenly there's kindness poetry and art in my kingdom of the heart. which is it's a nice song there's a weird there's a weird thing they do in this song where all the stained glass people come to life, but they they come down to the ground to dance like it's that part in Anastasia that all the paintings start dancing, except they're still 2D and flat, so they look like they're right out of Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's very weird because up until this point, the songs in this movie have been very grounded in reality. Like, char- yeah. characters sing, but there isn't really, like, a jump into fantasy world. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, at first you think that, oh, well, these, yeah, like, these stained glass figures jump down and they start dancing. And Daria starts dancing with one. And you think, oh, I guess she's just imagining this. But then Rolo sees them, too. And he, like, mugs to the camera and he just goes, whoa, like a shrug. Yeah, and like one of the, 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 the stained glass princess comes down and it's like wants him to dance and he looks he looks at the camera and he's like uh. Yeah And like, then he starts dancing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um It's like okay Can you see the camera, sir? Yeah. And I think it's like it 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 just kinda comes out of nowhere and it's just very like I like I kinda like the idea if I'm being honest. <laughs> but She's, Anastasia definitely did it better. Yeah. Yeah, it was just... My, my notes just say in giant letters, Parappa people, because they're just... They're these flat, and they, they don't have, like... 
like proper bends to their joints. They're just like floppy paper people. Yeah. So it's it's a little bizarre, but yeah. Yeah. There's also it's also CG, which is like there's a handful of shots in this film that are done with CG, and it's early two thousand CG. So it's you know it's not bad, but it's not great. Yeah. Yet, so. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> they tried. Yeah. They yeah. It's that that little sticker you tried, and like and to be fair, it doesn't look terrible. It's just jarring yeah it's it's just not well integrated Mm -hmm. at this point in time for most most utilizations of 3d to 2d yeah so while daria and rollo are dance or like daria singing her song she and rollo they end up just dancing together and so they have this little moment where you could tell they're falling in love (sighs) daria ends up getting called away momentarily and rollo takes this opportunity to ditch her He's just like, okay, uh, this isn't gonna work. She's a peasant pig farmer. Uh, yeah. I gotta go. Yeah, like he, like he says, like he love. He's like he's entranced by her, but he's just like, oh, I can't marry a peasant. So he leaves, and Dario comes back, sees that he's gone, like starts calling his name, and then the scene changes. Yeah, and then it's like there's no there's no resolution to that. No, you just have to assume that she was like, oh, yeah, we aren't. We aren't allowed to see her response. She's supposed to be, like, she's the main character. Yeah. Everything just sort of happens around her. And then she pops into the film to sing a song and, like, play with her pigs. And then leaves again. Yeah. Oh, before, when they did, when they meet, there was one of the cute little little parts of the of her with her pigs. When he's, like, he introduces himself and she's like, and this is Princess. And, like, she starts introducing the pigs. And yeah. I'm like... So she really just does kind of look like like she's a little weird. Yeah, she's a it's, little... It's cute. She's definitely a little flighty. That Yeah, that is like a fun moment when they first meet because Rolo is immediately entranced by her. And meanwhile, Daria is like focused on her animal friends that it's almost like she doesn't like acknowledge Rolo for a little bit. Yeah. So she's... Is, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. But... So yeah, so he... The scene cuts with we leave Daria and we go back to Rolo, who is now out and about with Sebastian and he's checking out all of the other princesses that are in the kingdom. Yeah, apparently there's like a bunch of other kingdoms and all of them have a princess ready to marry. Yeah, this leads into his song, which is The Perfect Princess. She's the one, she's the one, she's perfect. So perfect in every way Her eyes, her chin, her flawless skin In a gown that would set any crown a spin From a sound and renowned family tree She's a perfect princess for me Milady the the first king that he meets in the first kingdom is one of those one of those side character designs that I saw it and I like recoiled slightly because like <laughs> most of his design is fine but then like something about his teeth yeah in his bottom in his jaw is like why yeah. did you do this <laughs> it's like oh god because it's just like a row of perfectly square teeth 
all the way around and you can see all it's it's super weird (laughs) but that's neither here nor there it was just it was one of those character designs that i just like saw and was like oh yeah boise this this song is is all about how so rollo is going to all these other princesses and they're all just different levels of terrible or yeah it's like they're all spoiled Mm -hmm. they're all mean yeah, there. Well, there's there's one who isn't mean. She's just super into practical jokes. Oh yeah, the one weird clown one. Yeah, Cherie. There's like one weird c- clown princess. The rest of them are like just kind of terrible people. And then there's the clown princess. Yeah, her she she names herself in her song. So her name's Cherie, and she introduces herself with like a a ring that squirts water into Rollo's face. She yeah. <laughs> she is like so off the wall that I like to think that she's deliberately fucking with Rolo. Yeah, it must be something. Like she's just like I I don't want to marry a prince. I'm just gonna like <laughs> everyone that shows up. I'm just gonna yeah I was prank gonna... until they leave. Yeah, until they flee with terror. It's, it's yeah. great. <laughs> there, this is so. This song there is a bit in this song that it starts to like. So where the last song started getting to fantasy town this one gets into it further by having like this map appear and you see like the the, the arrow going through and ping-ponging through all these different kingdoms as yeah it makes like a ping ping uh pinball sound yeah. as he like hits each country and the little princess face pops up in total based on this map rollo visits visits 17 princesses oh my god yeah <laughs> And the song ends with him just like being all despondent that he can't he can't find the perfect princess. Oh, this nobility is just we're just hollow inside. Yeah. You're like, damn. Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> Are you alright, man? I mean, I guess you did just meet seventeen awful women, so Yeah. He yeah, he he just starts bemoaning these these <laughs> princesses and he, he he talks to Sebastian about Daria. Um, and Sebastian, back at the castle, he later takes this information to Heath, telling him about how Rolo is in love with a peasant girl. And Heath decides then and there that he's going to disinherit Hildegard and offer Rolo his kingdom if he marries this peasant girl. He's like, if if this kid will marry for love, just get, I'll give him my kingdom. Yeah. This, so my terrible daughter won't get it. It's it's kind of it feels like it kind of comes out of nowhere. Like it's kind of wild. I guess like in universe Heath has been dealing with this shit for eighteen years. So when he saw that opening, he was like, "I'm taking this." He's been trying to figure out a way to disinherit his daughter for years. Yeah, and I guess I guess his main worry was, well, who will inherit my kingdom if I if it's not Hildegard? Yeah. So he he spies an opportunity and he's like, okay, but don't tell anyone because there's a spy in the castle. Yeah. So there's, we see that the, it's, it's the typical thing of like, it pans up to a, a portrait on the wall and you could see somebody's real life eyes are in the cutout. Of- yeah. <laughs> it's classic. Oh, I love it. So that's it for part one of the princess and the pea. Uh, next time we are going to be picking up where we left off finding out the uh, fallout of Heath disinheriting Hildegard 
and figuring out how exactly is Daria going to be coming back into this story. Um, but all that and more on the next episode. While you're waiting for that to come out, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for a future episode, feel free to email me at badprincessmovies at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at badprincessmov. We've also got a website where we have a catalog of all of the Bad Princess movies that are currently in my collection. You can find that at badprincessmovies.com. Life. You're just a kid! I must be going! Michael, do you see? Do you see what he did? Volcanoes blowing. Nay. Now, Laird, behave! I've had enough! You're not so tough! Prepare to die! Just try! Destroy! Oh, boy! Take that! My head! The height! Good night! Come back, you puny pest squeak! <laughs>